Hey team, welcome to the Professionally Offensive Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Cabrera. This is the spot where we provide raw, unfiltered insights from some amazing guests. Stand by, you're about to be offended in all the right ways. I got to imagine that's a key also the way y'all hire the right folks all the way up and down the chain, right? Like I think about um, companies and teams that I've run in, in, in the past. One of the things that maybe I used to get scrutinized a little bit, even on when you do kind of a, a debrief on, hey, what do we think about that new VP or that new director or that new chief operating officer, whatever it might be. <clears throat> a lot of it is they'll go, a lot of teammates used to go right to the technical. Well, I don't know if they got enough experience running logistics in North America or in Europe or whatever the case might be as an example. And I'd always lean into going back to, yeah, but they got some stuff that like I can't put in them and their mom and dad did a good job with. And so, you know what I mean? Does that resonate with you? A hundred percent. So I, the, the way I describe it is, is talent versus skill. Yep. Talent's what you were born with and skills, what you've learned. And if all things are equal, I promise you a hundred out of a hundred times I'm hiring talent over skill yeah. every time because yep. you can learn anything. You can learn anything. But you cannot teach the intangibles. You cannot teach attitude. You cannot teach work ethic. You cannot teach attitude of uh, an, an attitude of a, a, a uh, what do you call it? a competitive spirit, a winning a winning mentality, right? This idea of like attitude, work ethic, a winner's edge or a winner's mentality. Those are things that are intangible, and a hundred percent, we we look for talent over skill and believe that we can we'll have an environment that allows for skills to be developed so whether it's you know figuring out international supply chain or figuring out this or that or whatever um you know we certainly put job recs up like just anybody else would and and the, the people that apply for those jobs generally have experience in those functions and so on and so forth so we deal with with all the same processes as probably anybody else but the lens through which we try to look at employees is, is less about what you've done and what skills you've learned and more about who you are. Yeah, no, I dig it, man. You got to talk to me a little bit about how you, and maybe it's worth going a little in depth on <clears throat> how the individual entities, even within solo brands operate. But I, I got to imagine you're in some sorts of a CEO of a CEO, right? Leader of leaders. And so I'm always curious, not only from a brand perspective, and just but just how you're able to push that culture from solo brands in and around through the other, you know, through chubbies all the way down to solo stove. How do you make that happen? Either through the people or through the processes? How does that work? I think that the, the key is to, is to not make it happen. I'm going to answer this okay. in a real counterintuitive way. Okay. But if you try to make it happen, then it won't because culture, culture can't be forced. Culture is lived. And, and so if you want to influence as a leader, whether you're a leader of leaders or you're a leader of followers or whatever, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the fastest way to get a culture to permeate throughout an organization is for first and foremost, for you to live it, for you to live what you're open for. You cannot expect for people that work with you to do anything different than you do. You cannot expect for anybody that works with you to do anything different than you do. That's that's number one. So if your culture is selfish, show up a little late to the office, leave, leave a little bit earlier, have this amazing balance. But as a leader, you're thinking, but I paid my dues, but I need the rest of my team to just they got to They got to pay their dues now. Maybe one day they can have my seat. 
I've I can this. almost yeah. guarantee you what the culture of that organization is going to be like. And it's going to be resentful. It's going to be backbiting. It's going to be lazy. It's going to be high attrition. And you go down the list of unhealthy things that you're generally going to get out of an organization like that. Um, and, and it's hard, right? I mean, as a leader, let's just be real, right? I mean, I've seen some successes in my days. I've made some good money. I've, I've won some awards. And most of the people that get to the type of seat that I'm in start scaling back a little bit. Yeah, throttle down. Yep. They yep. believe I've earned it. And you know what? They're right. <laughs> so when you get there and you decide that's where you're at, quit. Go home and enjoy it. But don't double dip. You're doing a disservice to your team and your company, and you're doing a disservice to yourself. Because all of a sudden, what was an A player is going to become a, a B or C player because you're just not putting into it. And listen, I mean, this is going to take a this is going to get a ton of scrutiny and 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 people aren't going to like it, right? Because you know, there's this whole debate about balance, you know, and even work-life balance. People like saying, I don't believe in balance, right? When you're at work, you're neglecting your 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 personal life. And when you're doing your personal life, you're neglecting work. It's just reality. It's where you're putting your time. And so the key is to make sure your time allocation is proper so that you can put into each of the important areas of the or the priorities of your life everything that they deserve, right? Well, I just believe that my family and my work both are high priorities. Yep. What I what I've decided for me is that there's things that I sacrifice personally that I don't do because those are my highest priorities. And so guess what? They get neglected. Now, some people would say, well, then you don't have good balance. What, where's, where's your work-life balance? What about your hobbies? What about your buddies? Well, guess what? My buddies is my wife and my kids. Those are my buddies, right? That's, that's who I hang out with whenever I'm not working because when I'm working, I'm all in. And it may not be the only way, and it may not be the right way, but it is my way, right? It's, it's, it's what's worked for me. And I just think it's so critical and important for leaders to lead by example. If you want to have an organization from a cultural standpoint that says, hey, extreme balance, do not work after five, da, 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 then, then don't work after five. Don't be the leader that says that and then stays till eight. Uh -huh. Right. You're not you're not doing a good job doing that. Yeah. Right. But on the flip side, if it's, hey, we get the job done. That's our culture. Some days we get out at five. Some days we get out at six. Some days six twenty five. Some days it's four thirty. I don't know. It doesn't really yeah. matter. But the, the point is not the hours. The point is getting the job done. And you as a leader then live that and make sure that you never finish until the work is done. That's going to send a message to your leadership teams and through the rest of the organization that says, hey, this is really important, right? If you're going to be a part of this organization, your name's going to be behind it and you're going to take a check from this company, then this is a company that expects you to get the job done. And sometimes that's going to require less amounts of PTO and other times it's going to allow more time, more amounts of PTO. And the key is, is to get stuff done. And we want to live that. And frankly, we don't want to let people down around us because we know all the way at the very top, they're doing the same thing that they're asking me to do. And gosh, everybody loves working for a leader that doesn't ask them to do things they're not willing to do. Oh yeah. Cause they know exactly what they're signing up for. Right. That, that person is, is consistent every day. 
I tell I I remember you know even in my time in the service I just tell folks like I would rather work for a jerk who's a genuine jerk every day because I know where they stand than somebody who's just like really nice in front of you but behind the scenes there's someone different. Give there's me nothing worse. I always I, I you know it's so funny you and I are so similar. I tell people all the time like I would much rather know the devil that's in front of me than the wolves of sheep clothing that's behind me that I just never know what I'm going to get. Right. I mean, it's just the same concept. Right. I just give me somebody that's honest, that's got integrity, even if what they are, I don't like. At least I know what I'm getting. That's right. But don't don't give me somebody that's, you know, their integrity is not intact and they're deceitful and they say one thing and do another because, gosh, you wake up every day and you just have no idea, you know, what they uh, what they're about. But. No, I mean, I the key kind of back to your original question. I kind of digressed a little bit there, but the the key to building a culture and getting that to to permeate down through the organization is to not force it, to not to not start out with the goal of I'm going to make this I'm going to make this culture spread out through the organization. If that yeah. if that's your approach, you're probably at least from my experience, you're probably going to fail. On the other hand, if you just look inwardly and you say, okay, what is the culture that I want this company to live? And then you go be that, that is the fastest and best way to get your first, your direct reports, and then their direct reports to really permeate a culture that you want to foster through the organization. Yeah, oh, that's incredible, man. Like when you thought, John, when you brought on everybody from Chubby's to over, like, was that also a part of when y'all not just the numbers behind the acquisitions or between the you know the grouping was it also how do these companies tick already does that matter yeah for sure it was it, there was a huge a huge um consideration around whether or not we felt a humility amongst those teams of of an with an appetite for change yeah because if the, if humility isn't there and an appetite for change isn't there I've been using this acronym lately, ch CHUG. Okay. Um, it's like these kind of four four key qualities that at the at the corporate level are so important for the corporate employees so that it permeates through the rest of the org. And the first one is courage. The second one is humility, hustle, and gratitude. Yeah. It's like those, if those four things, if we perceive those four things in the acquisition, so if they just seem like a, a team that's willing to, that has the courage to take take on hard things. If they see if they got this quality of humility, if they hustle, and if they're grateful for what they have, like that's a team we want to work with. And again, back to talent versus skill. Like those are talents and skills. We'll figure that out on the back end. That's a good point, man. Even companies themselves have talents, right? You got some companies great skills. Y'all can build a piece right. of software like that. Exactly. Your supply chain's incredible or your product development team's awesome or whatever. None of that matters if the talent in the org doesn't mesh yeah. with, with what you're looking for. Well, thank you all for listening. This is the Professionally Offensive Podcast. You can catch us on all platforms. JC out.